This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, May 13th, 2020. And we saw some more volatility today, pretty big volatility in the last couple of days. Are you getting used to 500-point swings in the Dow? Seems like every other day we got huge swings in that Dow. And it's just volatility. It's a lot, but it's that's what it is. Okay, uh, and what triggered it today? Well, it was Fed Chairman Powell, most likely. Uh, you know, because he was talking about you know, that it was going to be a tougher crawl to get back to where we were economically than people think. Or maybe it was uh, the LA, the mayor of LA saying that the county of Orange, county of Los Angeles, which has like, you know, 10 million people, are going to be sending, spending the entire summer in isolation. He's not, they're not, he said they're not going to open until July, through July. Through July, is the words he used. I mean, here he's not even mid-May, so he's thinking all of June and most of July, all of the rest of May. See that? That's I don't know if people will put up with that. I really don't. I I realize that you know there's the danger out there, but I, you know people have to live, they have to work. So you know the problem of reopening, of course, is the uncertainty involved in that, and you know. I understand that. Well, we got lots to talk about today anyways. For investors, what happens when the stock market can, in large part, determine your ability to achieve financial freedom? What happens in it? Because you know you got your 401ks, your other investments in there. So you'll have a pretty broad range of financial investment questions, I'm sure. And I will do my best to answer them unbiasedly. So you want strategies, you want some answers, how to deal with this volatility? Well, that's what we're here for. This call the best talk. It's a call-in show. You can ask your questions. 888-99-CHART. I'm Steve Peasley. I hope you'll call me this hour through the Invest Talk Radio Program podcast. I can help you become a better investor. Justin and I are dedicated to help you become better. You can do it yourself. It's not rocket science. It's just hard. What makes it hard? Because it's a whole different language. The market is can be very emotional in the short run. It can act like a spoiled child on a day-to-day basis, but it's very rational in the long run. So it makes it hard. It reacts to things prior to them even being announced or foreseen or, or produced. It, it looks ahead. Sometimes it looks far ahead, sometimes close. It, that's what makes it hard. You have to learn the language of the stock market. And that's a lifetime of learning. It's it's not hard in the sense of rocket science. It's hard in the sense of learning a whole new way of doing things and understanding things. It's it's difficult. And then you got to throw in throw in that little bit of element of people trying to manipulate the market. Then you got to throw in that political element in there, which is a big sometimes. You know, packs it. Look at. Talk about political element. Look what happened. The government shut down the economy. Well, I'm to the market. See, when it, 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 it's hard. It takes time. 
Anyways, I'm Steve Peasley, so I do really want you to call me. I will give you, I'll give you unbiased guidance, I promise. Now, I'm ready to take your calls, 888-99-CHART. So during this COVID-19 stay-at-home stuff that we're dealing with, Justin and I have, you know, have not been able to make our normal road, road trips we make every year. So, But we are doing uh, uh, portfolio reviews and talking to people through the phone, through Skype, through um, any means we can, really. Any means. So if you want to meet with us via the phone, Skype, or any way possible, you just got to go to investtalk.com, send me an email, and we'll set up a time. Okay? And we'll, you, know, you can call our office in Irvine, California, and we'll talk to you there if you want to. So you can go to investtalk.com, hit a contact us button, and that's the email that comes directly to me. My main talking point today, why safe dividend stocks could help you earn solid passive income. Now, is that true? Well, kind of is, yes. But are stocks with defensive characteristics worthy of your consideration? So I'm, that's going to be our main talking point today. I got a couple, three others. Are we heading into a depression? Not a recession, but a depression. We're already in a recession. Are we headed into a depression? Well, let's talk about what that means. What is a depression? And how about if the market tumbles, what do you do? If it does tumble, in the last couple of days, it's fallen pretty good. What do you do? And finally, China stocks are finally showing how risky they really are. I mean, for what, well over a decade, people have been buying China stocks because of the huge growth. They, that's all, and it's true. Huge growth prospects in China. But have you been paying attention what's going on now? So we need to talk about that. The market was down today. The Dow, the Dow was down 517 points. The Nasdaq down 139. And the S&P down 50. So now I'm going to talk about whatever you want to talk about. You drive the show. You drive it with your conversations, with your calls, with your questions. So let's go to Vitaly in Atlanta first. How you doing, Vitaly? Hi, Steve. Doing well. How are you? I am well, and I do appreciate your call. Yeah, I'm calling about uh, Bank of America. I uh, wanted to get your opinion, um, just your thoughts, I guess. Uh, if you would be owning Bank of America, if you would be buying it at this time, or if you would actually uh, instead maybe short it. Um, I'm trying to go either way. Uh, I guess if you know anything about financial institutions and how they would react at the current moment, Um yeah. Well, I certainly, I certainly wouldn't buy it, Vitality. I would not buy it. I would not own it. Uh, even though it's fairly reasonably priced, I still think we need to stay with the financial institutions, stay away from them. I think that they're going to have some headwinds here. The best time to buy banks or financial institutions at the very rock bottom of a recession. And I don't think we're there yet. I just don't think we're there yet. On the other hand, I don't know if I want to short it because they are going to make $1.58 this year and they're scheduled to make $2.28 next year, meaning that the P.E. is around, you know, 9. Maybe, maybe a little. So, yeah, right around 9. So it's fairly inexpensive. Pays a 3.4%. It's going to be, it's going to survive this easily. This, But I still think they might have, take a, if you look at a chart of Bank of America or the, 
uh, ETF or finan financial institutions and compare that with other, oh, I don't know, compare it with uh, tech companies, you'll see there's a, or the market itself, the overall market, you'll see that the financial institutions are do faring much worse than the overall market. So I'm just not ready to jump in yet. I'm not. Of course, Bank of America, I don't know if I want to short that one either. So I don't know. I think I just stay away. Vitaly, thanks for the call. Bank of America, everybody's BAC. And I didn't describe it because I don't think I need to. It's a $181 billion company. Bank, it's like, what, third, fourth, fifth largest in the, in the world? I mean, it's, it's big. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And I am very glad you've joined on the radio and the podcast. I appreciate that. And thanks to all the listeners you stay with us and while we improve our audio. I appreciate that too. I know it was stressful because it was stressful for me. But now I'm here, much better sound quality, and ready to provide unbiased answers to your financial investment questions. We are taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Now that this coronavirus scare has shut down all the gymnasiums, my wife has had to go and start running again. That's her normal workout now, and all of a sudden her knees became inflamed, creating lots of pain. Obviously, she's looking for relief and started applying Quanta's muscle rub multiple times per day, three times a day. She told me it helps reduce her soreness and discomfort. Now, if you listen to our podcast, you know I'm skeptical about many of these kind of products. I'm here to tell you from personal experience, this brand is believable. Quanta is a publicly traded applied science company. They make health and wellness products utilizing patented technology and makes them up to five times more efficient. Their flagship product is an all-natural muscle rub that alleviates aches and pains because it directly reduces inflammation. We have teamed up to help listeners to invest talk. So for a limited time, you can save 20% off of all Quanta's health wellness products by using the coupon code INVEST, that's I-N-V-E-S-T, on their website. Their website is buyquanta.com. That's B-U-Y-Q-U-A-N-T-A.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. States are beginning to reopen, but not everyone thinks it's a good idea. And you've probably got some good finance and investment questions. Steve and Justin would like to hear from you now. Call Invest Talk 888 99Chart. 888 Let's go to uh, Amika in Cincinnati. Amika. Hey, Steve. Thank you so much for the knowledge, you and Justin and the team. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for listening. I have a question for you. Um, C-O-T-Y is the stock symbol. Do you think there is a future for this company in the next five years or so? What do you think? Okay. Okay, it's a mid-sized company, $2.7 billion, well, maybe a little on the small side. Manufactures frequencies, frequencies, colors, cosmetics, skin and body care products, sold in over 150 countries. So I think that sector is probably a pretty good sector. It may, not, it may be a little bit immune to, uh, to uh, economic cycles. In other words, it might do well even if we're in a recession. Because... 
it might. But the problem that you have with this company is the last eight quarters in a row, sales have been falling. You know, so it has nothing to do with the, re the recession we're in. They were falling before that. They're going to make $0.42 cents next year, and there's a $3.66 stock. That means it's, what, a 9 PE or so? Um, I don't think it can sustain that 13.7% dividend, I, so I don't rely on that. Uh, it, I'm not sure why, when it makes not very much money per share, that it would try to pay such a high dividend. I wonder why. Return echo is not very good at 7%. Uh, and it has it has more debt than I'm comfortable with. No, I don't know if I'd be comfortable with this one, Mika. They have a lot of debt, and, you know, I'm just not comfortable with that debt level in this environment. I like companies that have no debt right now. This one has lots of debt. So because of that, up to the point that I saw the debt, I was leaning toward, well, it might be a good company, but so it doesn't, it has lots of debt and it's not growing. And I don't like those two things together. So I would say no on this one, Amika. Sorry. Thanks for calling. The symbol is C-O-T-Y, everybody. My main talking point today concerns uh, why safe dividend stocks could help you earn solid passive income. So we're going to discuss it. Are stocks with defensive characteristics worthy of consideration. Now, dividends are a good way to measure the sustainability of a company because usually they don't start paying dividends unless they've been around a while and they have, they're mature. They just, because it doesn't, it doesn't pay for them to pay a dividend this year and then cut it next year and then pay a dividend after year after year after that and then cut it again. It, it, it makes for uh, investors to shy away from it. But a sustainable long-term dividend keeps a certain amount of investors always engaged with that stock because that's what they're owning it for. So I would say, think about this. If like the two biggest telephone companies, Verizon and AT&T. I'm not suggesting you go out and buy them. But look, at, you know that they're sustainable. You know that, that the, both those businesses are sustainable. You also know that neither one's going to grow very much. They're so big, it's almost impossible. What you do know, though, is they're going to be around. And, and AT&T pays a 7.4% dividend. has never cut their dividend. So where do you find that kind of company? I mean... Why would you not want to own that kind of company if you can make 7% on your money? How much money are you going to make on your money putting it in a bank or a CD? Now, of course, you've got to take the risk of owning the stock. And, the, and for, for uh, AT&T, that stock goes from 26 to $40, up and down. Okay, so what is it right now? 28 What do you think? At 28 it's a 7% plus dividend. That's the kind of thinking, I think. It's, dividends are great. You just got to make sure you buy them. And I've said this many times, you buy them when they're cheap. And there are out there right now. On the next Invest Talk, this story. After trying for a decade, central banks might succeed at generating inflation. While the inflation could help stimulate the economy in the short term, longer term ramifications are often pretty dangerous. So that story is tomorrow. For now, I'm Steve Peasen. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART.
This is Invest Talk. Steve and Justin have just recorded a new rapid fire hour. At a faster pace, you can hear answers to 29 caller questions. The podcast download is free. Go to investtalk.com, search April Bonus Show. Hey guys, my name is Darren. I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I got a question for you about DraftKings. This past Friday, they went public through an acquisition versus having an IPO. From what I'm reading, they did well, better than people thought on their first day of trading, ending up around 19 and change. Forward thinking here, right now there's no sports going on, and they are not licensed in all states. Do you feel like getting into the DraftKings stock now or probably waiting a quarter or two to see what things look like. But getting in now is a smart idea because, again, as sports comes back and as more states add on, it seems like this stock can only grow. I appreciate your advice. Y'all have a great day. Bye. Well, this is a roll of the dice kind of stock. Uh, DraftKings, Inc. Uh, symbol is uh, DKNG. And the reason being is uh, they're making... Okay, last quarter, the last quarter they reported was December quarter. They lost a penny a share. Before that, they made, the quarter before that, they made four cents a share. Before that, two cents a share. Okay, well, how much money is that? Six cents in 2019, and it's a $25 stock. So it's hugely expensive. And we don't have a lot of information on it. We don't, as far as the fundamentals of the company. We just don't have a lot. So it's hard it's hard to say, well, should I be in this? This is one of those things that you roll a dice on because you have a gut feeling that it's going to do well because you're right. You know, there's no sports on TV and people are, want to bet sports. And, you know, it's a question of will the government let them operate? I think eventually they will, actually. I do. So it's one of those things you put a little bit of money on and don't worry about it if you lose it all because it's possible. Uh, and just hope for the best, because right now it's super overpriced. Could become more overpriced. If it, you know, it could if the earnings pick up, sales pick up. So it's very expensive, though, right? Let's go to Robert Vancouver. Who wants to talk about, uh, is that Carnival Cruise? Yep. How are you doing, Robert? Steve? So, I don't know. Well. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of news. I mean, the Saudis bought a bunch of ca- uh, Carnival Cruise, and um, they got, like, increase in bookings. Is now a good time to really get into this company, or is it just media fluff? I think you got to be very, very careful uh, getting into this company. If, it's, if they succeed, it's going to do very well. My problem is, is they may succeed, but they may file bankruptcy in between. Why? Because there's no one, those, those ships are expensive to operate. They have costs that are ongoing. They have no, no income coming. That's why. And when will they start to have income? I mean, will it be next year? Because this year they're going to lose money. Definitely going to lose a lot of money. Let's say next year they make money. What are they going to make? The estimate is a dollar a share. Okay. The good thing about Carnival Cruise is right now they have very low debt. So it could survive, but it's just too risky. I think I 
I, I think I'd pass because there's too many other areas to buy that are better than this. But you could, just like DraftKings, you could put a little bit of money in and either you're going to be a big winner or you're going to be a big loser. So just make sure when you lose, you can afford to lose. Okay, Robert? And just give it a shot. But it's a, it's a tough call because they're, like airlines, you know, when are they going to start making money? How much damage is going to be done? And no one really knows. We really don't. I mean, they completely shut down their business. Anyways, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. In the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, airlines are holding an estimated $10 billion in travel vultures. vouchers. Travel vultures. Travel vouchers. I wrote about this already in the, in the uh, Consumer Watch section of the newsletter that's going to come out this Friday. Because I saw that article. I said, I got it. You know, that's that. Ten. Why is that a problem? Air travel has all but come to a stop, right, from this COVID-19 cases worldwide. So passenger volume is down like 97%. And the industry trade group Airlines for America reaching levels not seen since the 1950s. That's what they're telling us. The average flight today is only transporting 10 passengers. 10. So how are they going to make that? How are they going to? Okay, so you got a voucher from the airline because they canceled your flight, right? You get a voucher. What if they're not around to pay you that voucher? What if they're not around to fly you to someplace else? What if they file bankruptcy? Airlines including United Airlines, Delta, American, Southwest, have told lawmakers they will only provide refunds to customers in cases where the airline itself chose to cancel a flight. Not you canceling it, they canceled you. They canceled the flight. Then they will have refunds. I think you better file for your refund right away, by the way. That's what I think. Okay. Okay, we are coming up on a break. Now, we all understand that how important oil is, right? We all know that. And has been to the modern world for some, for every cent. It's still going to be for a foreseeable future. But have you ever wondered how large amounts of crude oil are transported? So let's go to break. Here's my two-part question. How many oil tankers are there in the world? And what is the approximate cost to build a new super tanker in 2020? I'll have the answer after the break. But now we're taking your market and financial questions live at 888-99-CHART. Numbers are elusive. But if it goes to zero, do you lose all your money? They're always changing. Their debt-to-equity ratio is fairly low. Invest Talk listeners know it's all about the numbers. I'm 82. I'm interested in knowing what the recommended withdrawal rate would be. So the questions keep coming. Hi, Steve and Justin. I am question regarding real estate. Everything counts. I was wondering if you could shed a little bit more light on ExxonMobil. Jason El Segundo, how you doing? Let's go to Robert in San Leandro. He wants an ETF follow-up. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, thank you for your continued support. I really appreciate your insight and your understanding of the market and financial business. Since it all started, the total number of InvestTalk downloads has now exceeded 22 million. Hi, Steve and Justin. I've been listening to you guys for two years, and I absolutely love your show. InvestTalk.com. 
You are listening to Invest Talk. The COVID-19 pandemic has turned everything upside down. But are we now seeing some light at the end of the tunnel? You've got finance and investment questions. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein have answers. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. This is Jeff from North Carolina. I've always liked your guidance of purchasing individual bonds to hold the maturity instead of buying bond funds. I currently have 30 $1,000 bonds from Macy's at 3.625% in an IRA that have recently lost more than one-third of their value. When I bought them, they were rated triple B, but they've since fallen to B+. Knowing that Macy's is having a lot of trouble, which has only been exacerbated by the stay-at-home order, should I sell them now and take the one-third loss or keep them and hope they will reach full value when they mature in June of 2024? Thanks, and I'll listen to the podcast for your answer. Okay, the mistake you made was buying 30 bonds in Macy's. Why not one or two bonds in Macy's and then spread out the other 28, 29 bonds in different companies? See, that, that you don't, it's like a stock. You wouldn't buy, put all your money in one company, would you, in one stock? So why would you buy all your bonds in one company? That's, a, that's the mistake. Now, Macy's is probably going to survive for the short term. I, uh, I think they'll be around for the next five years. But if you have further out than three or four years, I might be selling those long-term bonds and diversify. How many times have I said on this show, diversify? You diversify your portfolio, diversify your holdings. Your holdings means socks, bonds, whatever holdings you have. If you have, a, if you have an all-bond portfolio, you should, you should have 15, 20, 25 bonds, but all in different companies. Okay? You can have 50 bonds, as long as they're not different companies and different lengths of time for maturity, too. So don't overload in anything, ever, ever, no matter how good it sounds or how good it looks. Don't do it. I, I've been around long enough. I've seen huge blue-chip companies go out of business. Oh, we saw, you'd have two. GM. General Motors went out of business in 2008 or nine. I don't remember what year filed for bankruptcy. All the shareholders were ruined. Okay, bondholders and the unions got the company and the U.S. government for backing it. And then it came out again with a new GM, but you as the old stockholder lost every dime. So, you can't, that's why no matter how big and blue chip they are, there's always that danger. So I do think Macy's is, has a good shot of making it. I do. So I wouldn't panic out of them. And those bonds will come back. So I would be very slow, but I, I'm selling them. But I would get out. I would get out of some of them. I'd have to take a look at them. Okay, before the break, I asked a trivia question. How many oil tankers are there in the world? And what does the approximate cost to build a new one? Okay, how much? Now, oil is transported in four different methods, okay? Pipelines, rail cars, trucks, and tankers. Currently, there's 9,320 tankers worldwide. 9,320 worldwide. That's 11% of all the world's shipping, by the way. The modern oil tanker was developed in, in about 19, 18, 1878 to 1885 in that area. That's when it was developed. And um, the 1880s also saw the beginning of Asia oil trade. Asia. One of the first successful tankers in late 1880s or 1800s 
had a length of about 184 feet. 184 feet. Do you know how long they are now today? The super tankers era started in 1956. Their largest super tanker built was called Seawise Giant, which is 1,500 feet. 1,500 feet long. It was retired in 2009. So the average tanker now is about 1,246 feet. That's four football fields, everybody. That's how big they are. Four foot gives you some scale. Okay? Okay, how much do they cost? In 1973, a standard super tanker of 100,000 tons cost about $30 million. So if you adjust that for inflation, today it would be about $173 million. Okay, so what is the actual cost today? It's about $120 million. So the price has actually decreased compared to 1973 dollars. Isn't that interesting? It's cheaper. Cheaper. Let's go to Chris in New York. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing very well, thanks. Thank you very much for taking my call. How are you? Good. Thank you for the call. I mean, you guys drive the show, and I appreciate the calls. Thanks. Yeah, I had a question about, uh, I know you're, you're a fan of uh, gold stocks right now. Um, I was curious what you thought yes. of the leveraged index, uh, NUGT, to get some exposure, uh, some leveraged exposure. Okay. Uh, this is a direction fund. And whenever you hear the word direction fund, they're, they're a fund family. They usually, they usually have a lot of leveraged funds. So this is a leveraged fund, exchange-traded fund, seeking performance corresponding to three times the New York Gold Miners Index. So it's a 300% leveraged, okay? I, I will tell you this. I, I'm very concerned about too much leverage because what happens if the stock goes down by two-thirds? Does that mean it go, if you have a 300% leverage, you lose every dime? 300%, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's why I worry about it. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to react. Um, if you want to get into gold... And you have a lot of faith in it, there would be this would be a fund to own. Uh, but I'm not sure. Sure, there's what's called a tracking error in these leverage funds, Chris. And I'm not quite sure. I'd have to study it to see what the tracking error does. It actually, actually do 300 percent. You know, it, I know that's what they said they're doing. But it, if you read the fine print, that that's what they're seeking. That doesn't necessarily mean that's what they get. Okay. So you'd have to kind of compare the movement of, of the index that they're following. If it's up 1%, is this up 3%? If it's down 1%, is this down 3%? So that's how I, you want to check that out before you buy it. Make sure it's following the leverage they say they have. And you also got one other component. To, to achieve that 300%, they have to have a partner on the other side of the trade to agree to that because you, you can't just how do you how do you achieve it you have to have agreements you have to have third-party agreements to exchange you know the value to get to that 300 percent and they got to be strong enough to support to be able to do it what if that third party that they're contract, contracting with to get this leverage can't perform so there's different elements that you have to worry about when you have this kind of leverage and it's pretty difficult to understand right Chris, good luck with it. NUGT is the symbol, everybody. Three times gold miners index. 
888-99-CHART. That's our number. You can call and ask any question you want, as long as it's financial. Again, the Dow is down 517 points, NASDAQ down 139, and, and, the, and the S&P down 50. Are we headed into depression? Now, a lot of hedge funds managers are coming out with their opinions. But what is a depression? And a lot, Some of them are saying we might be. What is a depression? Well, most people, most experts would decline, define it as at least a 10% fall in our GDP, shrinkage in our GDP. Okay? And most experts right now are suggesting we're going to fall between 7 and 10% this year. This year, 7 and 10%. So we are in the realm of reality of a depression if you decline it as a 10% fall in GDP. And as I said, most people would. Most people would. But you know, if we're in a depression, you know who would be in a lot worse shape than us? China. China would would have a heck of a time. Not only are they fighting this COVID virus and we don't even know how bad it is because they don't tell you, you know. Have you noticed that they're Cases are stopped at 80,000 or something like that. Uh-huh. Right. So you're telling me Hunan, 10 million people, the epicenter of this virus, and you only had 80,000 cases versus us, where we've had, what, I don't remember now, but hundreds of thousands. Uh, of course, no one believes that. But that is the problem. You know, they're going to have several problems. First, they have, remember, before this coronavirus came about, they were having a heck of a time with Hong Kong, right? Hong Kong wanting, you know, the, the fight for their de- democracy, the rights that they had during when they were, when they were part of uh, the uh, British Empire. And then it was turned back over to China after a 100-year lease was over. They're, they're, so there's been a lot of problems there. They have this COVID virus problems, and now that's produced a lot of tension internationally with trading partners, us being one of their major trading partners. And... All of a sudden, now you've got worldwide uh, uh, questions about should we let China be uh, the main manufacturer of a lot of different products, especially in the healthcare area. So you, I think China's going to have a lot more problems going forward. And we know they don't tell the truth. We know they don't. We just don't, we just don't know how much, uh, 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 how much they're lying. We don't know because... We have to guess. So even though we might have might might fall into close to uh, depression levels, China probably is going to fall into depression. Even though they're going to hide it from us, they will. So we'll we'll see how that. I just want you, I'm trying to warn you about investing in Chinese stocks. That's what I'm trying to do. And I got another information I want to talk about specifically Chinese stocks. Hopefully today. I see people. You're listening to Invest Talk. So obviously you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experienced market analysis. And so I encourage you to subscribe to our KPP Premium Newsletter. I write that thing every week. comes out every Friday. In the newsletter, you'll get valuable information such as this week's market analysis, portfolio management guidance, stock ideas, a couple of them. And you can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Investtalk.com with two T's. And now I'm ready to take your questions. 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial. InvestTalk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein 
are the principals of KPP Financial and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial practices parallel investing, where Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing and the other KPP Financial programs at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Jason in North Carolina. I just have a question about stock valuation from earning reports. I'm just noticing that a lot of earnings reports have a beat on earnings per share, but a miss on revenue. And I was just wondering if that's a good indicator that the company is probably using their accounting or stock buybacks to show growth and it's not happening organically. So if you just let me know, thanks. Well, you're almost right. Yeah, some of it is that, but more is more likely that they're doing uh, accounting engineering. In other words, they're they're not doing anything illegal, but they're fiddling with the numbers. So depreciation numbers, the R&D numbers, research and development numbers. They're fiddling with the numbers to make it come out that they're they're making money, more money than they really are. And so you have to look at both the sales, organic sales and and growth and take what you really want to take a look at is you know the different margins profit margins you know gross margins net margins and look at the depreciation are they depending on the company the type of company is you can mess around with the depreciation and that really affects the bottom line so so always watch sales i know ge used to engineer their earnings every quarter Always beat it for years. Beat every quarter their earnings estimates. Beat it every year, every quarter. And always by a penny or two. Always. How? They were engineering that. One way a company does it is they buy a company, buy another company, and then they decide to take write-offs or don't take write-offs based on that company's uh, prospects. I mean, it's so you just have to kind of know that that's what exists. So don't... Just buy the profit margins that we beat and an earnings estimate. You got to remember, two, two, the company and the analysts are all wanting to beat the earnings estimates because it's Wall Street. They want everybody to be happy and growing and invest money in Wall Street. So the analysts always mark down their estimates for earnings every quarter before the quarter ends so that most companies can beat the analyst estimates. It's engineered. You just have to know about that and adjust for it. That's all. Okay? Okay, if the market tumbles, what do we do? Well, if you haven't prepared for the tumble already, you don't do anything. You just ride through it. If you if you, if you if you prepared, you have money on the sides, you are in the positions you want to keep and hold through the next correction if it happens, and then... You know, you just live. You just live through it. Now, how can you prepare? Well, you, you, we talked about gold. Gold is a good defensive play. Even though it went down, it, does, it will go down with the market, but it usually comes back faster in, a, in, a, in an economic downturn. So so just, there's other things you can do, too. You can use shorts. You can use bonds. You can use cash. 
You can use stocks that thrive during the economic downturn, especially this one. They, can, they are there. They're out there. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this hour, after this break. So get your questions in, 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, after trying for a decade, central banks may succeed at generating inflation, but the long-term ramifications could be dangerous. That story tomorrow. And now Steve Beasley is here. He'll have unbiased answers when you call Invest Talk with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. I wanted to thank you, first off, for all the advice, just making all of us better investors. Just about buying in increments has taught me a lot. So I bought Goldman and Sachs during the first dip. I realized I had a lot in my savings. Everybody said, buy, buy, buy. It was at around 192 and now it's getting up up there again. I'm wondering if I should sell some off. It's about 10% of my portfolio, and I'd like to diversify in other banks eventually. Or do you think this is a good price if I should keep it? Just let me know. I appreciate all that you guys do. Well, at 192, it probably been a good idea to cut it back. Today is at 171. It's fallen hard in the last couple of days. Um, at this point, I think you might, well, 10%, I still would cut it back. Cut it back to 5%. It's just too much. Uh, you know, we, we, buy, we usually buy about a 3% allocation. When we buy a full allocation, it's about 3% of the portfolio. 10% is where you start cutting back, okay? Um, if we have a correction, you probably just live through the correction. But I would, I would probably... If you get an update tomorrow, the next day, I'd probably cut it back. Uh, now, Goldman Sachs is a very good company, $60 billion company. Provides investment banking securities, investment management services. As I said earlier today, I'm not keen on the financial in yet. I think it's going to have one more swoon down, and that's going to be a good time to buy. But it's not here yet. That swoon is not here. They're scheduled to make $21 a share next year after making $13 this year. They made $21 last year. So you can see how they you know, got hit with this COVID. They only paid 2.9% dividend. And I say only because I would feel much more comfortable if it was higher. It's $171 stock going to make $21 next year. That means the PE is going to be what, eight, nine? You know, that's, that's, that's good. That's good. That's a good low PE. Anyways, uh, Goldman Sachs, GS is a symbol, everybody. Okay, China stocks. I'm starting to th- throw up a little red flag about Chinese stocks. I'm really concerned about them. Um, they're starting to finally showing how risky they really are. Example, how about uh, Lucky and Coffee, the IPO, where the CEO and CFO both admit that they're lying about the numbers. Stuff like that. U.S. does not require Chinese companies to be compliant with the same accounting rules as U.S. corporations are. Did you know that? Why not? If they trade on our exchange, they should follow our rules completely. Now, the SEC is giving warning of buyers saying, you know, buyers have to beware. It's up to you. Beware. 
But I, I don't know. Shouldn't they be subject to the same GAAP general accounting uh, principles as our companies if they're listed on our exchange to trade? And if they're not, then they don't get the list on our exchange. Why should we invest in their, their companies if we can't rely on the numbers? You know, just think about this. Even our own companies maneuver and manipulate the numbers using general accounting principles. So here you have all these Chinese companies don't use the general accounting principles. You don't think they're going to not manipulate? Of course they are. They've been doing it for years. And how many companies have you seen over the years from China go out of business or be, restate their earnings or get delisted because the numbers are all fake? A lot more than there ever has in the past. I think you've got to be very careful here with Chinese companies, especially now that the whole world is scrutinizing Chinese manufacturing and, de and de our, our uh, dependence on their supplies, their manufacturing to produce stuff for us. So it, it's going to be very, uh, I think you need to be very cautious these days. Does that mean you never invest in them? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... It should be rare in the near future because we don't know what's going to happen. I'm CPs and this completes another investment program, the Best Talk Hour program. I will return Friday with highlights from the KPP Premium Newsletter. In the meantime, please remember that you can download our free Invest Talk podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And we would really like you to review and rate us and tell your friends about us. I appreciate that. And of course, don't forget that April Bonus Show podcast has 30, 29 questions we answer very fast. Have a great night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. <laughs>